Welcome to Coach to Scale, how modern leaders build coaching cultures. I'm your host, Matt Benelli. Join me as we build a community of like-minded professionals who share the belief that effective coaching improves the performance of every team member. Our mission is to help leaders become better coaches. The Coach to Scale podcast is sponsored by Coachem, the world's first AI coaching execution platform that leverages evidence-based coaching to increase quota attainment. And with that, let's get started. So I'm excited to have this conversation with today's guest. You'll clearly hear and feel her passion for leading, developing, and coaching people to be the best versions of themselves. She spent her entire career in technology and B2B SaaS with the likes of Oracle and Deca and Parchment. Currently, she's Senior VP of Sales at School Status. Sarah Kiley, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Matt. Good to see you. All right. Well, the great thing about this show, Coach to Scale, is that I get to talk about stuff that I love with people who also love talking about it. And so I'm going to get right into it with the first question, um, Sarah. And it's, it's about coaching. It's about developing salespeople. Sarah, what's a common myth about coaching salespeople that you believe is misguided? That's a great question, Matt. I, I think in the world of coaching and coaching salespeople that there's there's commonly this myth that I kind of one and done. So I've taught you the skill. I've taught you how to prospect. I've taught you how to make sure you get a next step from every meeting. Now, please go and execute. And what we all know, if we're focused on coaching, is that it's not only about teaching. It's about practicing. It's about role playing. It's about sharing feedback. And it's about kind of repeating through that process, um, even with those that maybe have a command of the skill. I think a little bit, not only about sales coaching in this context, Matt, but I think about my daughter's nine-year-old soccer team that I coached in this spring mm. season. So the- Yeah, you coached nine, uh, nine-year-old soccer? On Friday night at five, it was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, with everything else you have going on, uh, good for you. It, it's been a you know my kids are twenty four and and twenty two, so it's been a while. But I uh, I remember those days. But um, you're braver than I for for coaching them. I was a uh, on the sidelines with my with my coffee. Well, it was it was a fun fun experience and and really kind of brought some of what happens in the working world for me into practice with my daughter and and about twelve other nine year old girls on Friday evenings, and it was. It was almost as equally, if not more, fulfilling to watch um, girls learn a new skill, get really um, excited about practicing that skill, and so energized when they were giving it a go in a game. And I, it was just kind of reaffirming, not only in sales coaching, but really in all aspects of coaching, that it, it is about teaching and practicing and celebrating the small victories of trying the skill and you don't always get it right and so how do you make sure that you're going back to that next practice to say work out the kinks on the skill so that when you get to the game the next time maybe you do it a little bit better and just the excitement from these nine-year-old girls was so kind of energizing and affirming that continuing to focus and be intentional and working with them on it um, was impactful for them and energizing. 
And, and Sarah, you said something, you said a couple things there. One was you celebrate trying. Like anything, whether it's uh, sales training, negotiations training, any skills training, or coaching corner kicks in soccer, it's not everybody's going to get it the first time. Most people won't. But you're talking about you celebrate. Okay, you tried it. You saw how it worked. And for a couple of, you know, Eagles, they, you know, the, the athletes, they, you know, the kicks were great right off the bat, probably. But for most of the team, it didn't happen. Like I'm sure it took some additional practices and this is, this goes against the one and done, right? It, some of them, it took further into the season probably to develop. Would that be fair? That's fair. And it was a skill that we were, we introduced it at the first practice and we watched throughout the season. We practiced it at every practice, every practice. It was the second drill that we were doing. Everybody knew that that was going to be the second drill. And, and those that were starting to to get a stronger command of this skill were were excited. Yes, you know I understand this, and and it was also fun to see kind of the team building of you know you're not quite getting it. Let me show you how I how I figured out how to do this skill. And so it wasn't just about me coaching and teaching, but it became a peer to peer opportunity, which I think holds true as we think about sales cultures as well of, mm -hmm. you know, those that are have a strong command of, of one part of the sales cycle can be helpful if you've created the right culture for others in the organization to to get better at that skill. Ah, so you, you, you brought up the word culture and, you know, on a soccer team, it's the team culture, but a sales team, it's the sales team culture, it's the, the organizational culture. Uh, why is fostering a solid culture important? That's a great question. I think that um, it's really important to be intentional about um, first kind of the values um, that you're expecting from the team. And so oftentimes organizations will have high level values that they um, would like to see rolled out across, you know, an entire organization. And I think when you get then into your team, helping folks to understand what are our values, how do we embody them, demonstrating and showing um, as a leader how we do that. And, and I think that's a first step in kind of creating a culture in a sales organization or in any organization is kind of starting with values, developing some goals against those values, um, and then, you know, kind of holding true to those. And so whether that's the, the values or um, being intentional about creating a team environment where we have folks that are helping one another, um, I think that, that creating a, a strong culture is really important, whether it's on the soccer team or in a sales organization, so that people feel like they're a part of the team. And we all spend so much time at work, Matt, that mm, yeah. I really want the folks that come to my sales organization every day to be energized, to be inspired, and to feel like this is a place they wanna be. Because we spend so much time at work that heaven forbid we have a culture that that doesn't foster that type of, of energy and excitement to make work a place that can be fun to show up. 
So true. And before COVID, it was, you know, whatever, eight, nine hours a day, plus a, you know, an hour commute for a lot of people on both ends. Uh, there was that window to maybe have dinner and, and talk a little and then, and then you're asleep. Right. right? So, and, and then post COVID everyone's like, Oh, you know, maybe I'll have more time with my family cause I'm working from home. And what most people find out is they go into that, you know, place of their office of their house, wherever that location is. And they're, they're there basically quarantined there for 10 hours and they come out like a zombie and, uh, you know, that it's, they ate up all the commute time and all the work time, they're not getting any more time at home. So, uh, yeah, you do spend a lot of time, even remotely, with the people that you work with. And uh, so that's so true about making sure that people want to be there instead of roll their eyes every time they have to get on a, a Zoom right. call, for for example. Uh, where do, When you think about developing that culture and the value system and walking the walk as a, as a leader, where do, where do some leaders get it wrong? Well, so I think it's a little bit to the one and done um, that I had mentioned in, in kind of coaching salespeople. I think that that second component that you affirmed, which is walking the walk. So it's one thing to lay out a set of uh, values and expectations for your team. But if you as a leader aren't wholly embodying those and kind of being the, the best of in representing how you want others to embody those values, then it's going to be really challenging and maybe not even fair to expect the team to embody those if you aren't as their leader. Hmm. Amen to that. And that culture that that you and that leaders want to foster, that positive environment, it doesn't just happen, does it? It doesn't. You're right. You have to be intentional and um, transparent. So you also can't decide in a bubble. These are the values that we're going to have. These are the expectations that I that I hold for for the people that are a part of the team. I think it's about not only not keeping them in a bubble, but not creating them in a bubble. So making sure that you have buy in from those in the organization that you're transparent about not only what are the values, but why are they the values and why do we think that that's going to make us a great place to work, a, a fun team to be a part of. And ultimately, we're in sales. We want to be successful. We want to, you know, make President's Club and, and beat our quota. And so how do you walk back from those goals and objectives into, you know, it back into the values, um, I think is pretty important. Yeah. And, you know, that walking the walk and being intentional about it makes me think about uh, a sales leader that I worked for recently, uh, or I, I thought about it recently. I worked for him a while back. His name's Ted Bereswell. And unfortunately, he just passed away. And when uh, myself and other folks who were part of Ted's large organization were talking and, you know, uh, remembering different pieces. The one thing that came to mind was when I was a, a new manager, a new frontline manager, and I flew down to the man manager's meeting in, at his, in his area in Houston, Texas. And he wrote out on the whiteboard the, the values of his organization. He's like, if you're a manager in my organization, these are our values. And he walked through each one. And I, I can't remember all of them, right? Today is a long time ago, but the one, the first one I always remember, and it was, we will never speak ill of others. And, um, and, and he, he led that he, he 
walk the walk in that way. And, and he was an incredible person, incredible leader. And anyone who remembers him remembers that, that he was a, a gentleman and he, was, he had a set of values and, and uh, he imparted them on his entire organization, which was large. So uh, he was intentional about it. And uh, you made me yeah. think of that. And I wanted to give a shout out to, uh, to Ted. May he rest in peace. Um, so going back and talking about, you know, you talked about being intentional um, is there a recipe here? Is there, is there a playbook? I mean, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah. So I think that being intentional about, so I think the first thing in, in, um, kind of maybe taking stock of where you are today as an organization, and you might identify that, that the culture is not I, the ideal culture that we'd like to have. And I think that can be a great first step is to be again, transparent with the folks on your team that you think there's room for improvement and be intentional about right then laying out and transparent about here's the things that I think that we could be doing better and kind of again not in a bubble get agreement. I think it's important to um, to set goals. So similarly to you know what makes successful sales coaching we're going to you know mm-hmm. show and teach so we're going to be intentional about laying out a set of values we're going to practice and maybe not always get perfect um, how we embody that set of values. We're going to be um, open and vulnerable and sharing feedback with one another about where we're really doing great. You know, good job. I, I can see one of our core values at, at school status is very simple. It's be kind and generous. And, and we always are trying to, you know, make sure that that's kind of at the center of, of who we are when we show up to work. And so how do you so, yeah. so let me let me ask you that be kind and generous. So, uh, you know, I think most people, if you're thinking about what the value system is for this, you know, sales organization is supposed to be aggressive, right? Whatever, like be kind and generous. What is an example, if, if you have one, of like how that manifests itself in the culture, whether it's employee to employee or with prospects and clients? Thanks for asking. I um I actually, as you asked me, share an example, I'm thinking, oh, I've got this one or this one or this one. So I think being kind and generous, uh, we we act as a team and, and we take care of each other. And so when we have a new, we have recently a new um, regional sales manager who joined our organization and she was really quick to booking meetings and could use a little help in, in making sure that we did a great job in demoing our product. Um, our organization today doesn't have a big team of, of solution consultants to, to help with that. And so it was another member of our sales organization said, I'm happy to help. I'm, you know, I'll make time to be with you in your prospect meetings to make sure that we can answer as many of their questions as we have and and we'll we'll work on this together. And so be kind, be generous um, is really embodied in that of, you know, it was someone who raised their hand and said I could use some help and another team member who raised their hand and said, I'm happy to help and, and kind of jumped right in. And, and I love seeing examples of that. It's not just about um, celebrating who closed the biggest deal or the most recent deal or who hit their quota. I think it's also really important to celebrate when we show up for each other and when we um, kind of embody those values that we have. So, Yeah. 
Awesome. And, and you talk about not just celebrating when the deal is closed, right? There's all a lot of things to celebrate along the way. But you've been in this business for a while. You've worked with a lot of other uh, leaders and you know there's a gravitational pull for sales managers to focus on the deals. Deals, deals, deals. What would you say to that sales manager, that leader that over-indexes and focuses perhaps too myopically on just the deal? Wow, that's a great question. It is, you know, I think if you were to ask most sales leaders, what's the number one priority uh, in being a sales leader, they would say hitting quota, right? So I, I have a number, I need, to, I need to make sure that we hit the number. And that is certainly a, a top priority um, in leading, whether you're a frontline manager, a VP or, or a CRO, that is certainly a top priority in executing. But I think there's some um, fundamentals and groundwork that need to be laid in order to consistently be able to deliver on those goals and objectives that you have. I think about some of the metrics that we're looking at today. I think about sales velocity. What are the levers that you have to pull to drive success in the team? Awesome, mm -hmm. right? That flows directly into how many quota attainers we have and how we can get to that goal. In order to be able to effectively pull a lever like your win rate or the number of opportunities you have in your pipeline, you need to be um, have the core set of skills and fundamentals from a sales perspective to, um, to be able to drive against those metrics that are in sales velocity. So if you have weaknesses in um, prospecting or weaknesses in closing or qualifying, being able to... Um, not having coaching on those means it's going to be more challenging for you to really focus on the number of opportunities that I have in my pipeline. And so I guess if I were having a conversation with a sales leader that was questioning a focus on anything except for deals, I would try to walk it back from what are the biggest challenges we have? What are the levers we have to pull? And how do we make sure that our reps are, are skilled and getting coaching so that they can effectively impact those levers. And so, you know, I think that might be the nature of, of the conversation, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the, the expectations on a manager's time are in many, many ways, unrealistic. It, it just is, especially frontline managers. I've always said hardest job in, uh, in, in the organization, uh, m most of the time. And so when, what do you say to the manager who says, you know, I look, Sarah, I don't have time to have a one-on-one -on -one with my employees every week. Um, I got, I got, business, I got deals to close. You know that um, I appreciate the pressure that having a quota and performance-based goals can can have on an individual contributor, can have on a frontline manager, and kind of across the sales organization. Um, I think sometimes what you said made me kind of think about sometimes in a management position, oftentimes we've gotten into a leadership position because we excelled as an individual contributor. And in excelling as an individual contributor, it's hard not as then a manager to just go and close the deal for your rep. Right. Just go and, and take the A player nature of what you learned in sales and apply that across the pipeline of your team. So you're zooming in 
on the opportunities that you select and the team members that you select that think that you know you're going to be able to then get your whole team to quota and so i think there's a slippery slope of um really uh getting a strong command of of how to effectively coach that can drive more impact and so when we hear we don't have enough time because we're in the field scrapping it together with the team um that also doesn't scale and so you know mm. It, it you can't be everywhere. You can't be in every opportunity, and unfortunately, you can't apply that A player sales skills across everything in, in your team's pipeline. And so, the way to scale and the way to drive better um, sales velocity in in the opportunities that you have and across the team is by going back to the fundamentals of does your team have the skill set does your team have what gaps do your team members have and how can you um, select not all of them but maybe there's one that you can just work on that you think would directly impact the the velocity for that rep and so yeah 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 I, I you know I just think of that soccer example that you gave and and it just dawned on me that a soccer coach, you know, any professional sport, like or any sport at all, like the coach can't run in there uh, and kick, the, you know, <laughs> kick the ball in the net. I mean, you'd probably win every game if only you could, and the other coach couldn't, you know, go into the nine-year-olds and, and kick kick around. You guys would dominate. You know, maybe that's a good thing because it helps the players on the field develop better and faster. But in our business, the manager he or she can jump into the field and often do sometimes uh, at the detriment to the development of the individual. And you create that environment of learned helplessness instead of creating a self-sufficient team. any any thoughts on that? I know I threw some. No, no, I, I and I think that's so true. I, I oftentimes you'll you might notice in a in a soccer game of a maybe a more elite team that the coach is actually doing not a ton of coaching in the game. And often what you would hear from many of those coaches is I coach at practice. Practice is the time where I am very vocal. I am demonstrating the skill. I'm giving active feedback on where you're not really quite getting it. And we're really kind of in the world of sales to relate to that. We're role playing, right? We are doing heavy, heavy role playing so that when you get to the game, um, it's one or two things that I might be saying to you when you're there that are reminding you of the practice that we did and and hopefully allowing you to self-correct if there's a slight variance on that. And so I think about, you know, how do you effectively coach in a deal? How do you effectively ride along with a rep um, when you're going to a prospect meeting? And how much of that is is about the preparation and the practice and playing a very specific role that is not uh, kind of taking over for the rep, but that is acting as, um, you know, an on the field coach, so to speak, of, of I'm here to just push you and nudge you in maybe one or two directions so that you remember, oh, right, I remember how we practiced this part of the conversation. And, right. and if you maybe say one or two things, I can get back on track. 
Yeah. It, yeah. You see on, on TV sometimes these coaches that are in the game, you know, say basketball, whatever, just running up and down the sidelines, like losing their mind, yelling the whole time at their players, you know, co- trying to coach in the game. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure how much that helps. I, I can't think back of a time in all the sports that I've played where somebody yelling something uh, during the game, you know, oh, the light bulb goes <laughs> off. Um and then I think about, uh, I'm a Boston guy, so I think about, I'm a Patriots fan, so I think about Bill Belichick, uh, you know, he's a polarizing person, but uh, probably the best coach in football, and, you know, there's no affect, there's no expression, and you see somebody screw up big time, and he pulls out his little notebook, old school, and he writes something down. There's a penalty on a player, he writes it down. And you know that player's getting right. <laughs> dug in practice, right? But he's writing it down because he's gonna go back after and, and coach it during the week before the next game, not trying to coach in the game. Um, and uh, I think so So true as, as leaders, how do we not do that? How do we not jump in if we're in a meeting, we're on a call with a rep? Um, you know, the advice I was given is, save the deal, not the rep. Meaning if there's, if it's really, really, really bad and you have to jump in as a manager, yeah, all right. But most of the time it's not life or death. Let them, let them fail and then coach it after. Uh, it sounds like we're in, uh, in some form of agreement there. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, let's pivot a little, uh, talk about you, Sarah, uh, you've, you know, you've come up uh, in this business, you know, uh, Oracle, we, we shared a little t- time there at Oracle, uh, you know, in DECA, uh, you know, Parchment, school, like all these different companies. Um, you've learned a lot on the way, undoubtedly. Is there anything thematic uh, that looking back, like, you know, if you think about all the bricks that were put in the in the wall along the way where it forms like, hey, this is this is, this is me, this is what I've learned. Or was there any aha moment? Like what's shaped you as a leader? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, I, and I think I, when, you, when you ask that question, I think back to Oracle. Um, and while we didn't know each other at the time when we were there, something that you did drove a lot of impact for me and in my career and trajectory. And so at Oracle, was the first time that I had received um, formal sales training. And the way mm-hmm. that I received that training and the coaching culture within the organization was so impactful on my skill development, on my command of the, the sales process. Um, it not only helped me as an individual contributor, but as I moved into a leadership role, I oftentimes thought back to the leaders within the Oracle organization. How did they coach? How did they um, continue to reinforce the sales methodology um, that that they wanted us to follow? And then kind of the complementary parts of the culture that were also helpful. So there was a Toastmasters um, part, a a brown bag lunch. You could go as a rep to a brown bag lunch and, and participate in Toastmasters. And that was very, it was fun. Um, and it was really helpful in the context of feeling as though I could talk about a variety of subjects, even something I might not be well versed in, in front of a, a big room of folks and kind of get comfortable getting uncomfortable. And so, um, 
it, you know, when I think about where did I grow, how did I grow as a leader and um, how did I grow as an individual contributor? How did I, how did I grow as a leader? I think back to kind of the, again, those fundamental skills and the modeling and coaching um, that I had at Oracle. And while it was a short time that I was there, it's been pretty impactful and something that I think back on frequently. Yeah, and I think what you're talking about is Oracle invested in training of its people back then, um, and not a lot of com- not most companies don't. Uh, but I, you know, Oracle uh, invested in the let's say the Sandler methodology, and everyone had to go through that. But you took that and you ran with it. And then Toastmasters was voluntary, and you know you chose to have your lunch there and and build your skills in terms of public speaking, right? I mean that that was voluntary. So a question there is. Um, do you, how do you look at potential employees, people maybe that are interviewing with you to come work at school status or looking to get promoted up? Do you look at all in terms of how they invested in themselves along the way, in addition to whatever the company has done for them? You must have been in one of my interviews, Matt. Yes, 100%. I am looking for um, and get excited with folks that um, take initiative in continuing to learn and grow uh, both professionally and personally. And so um, I am someone who, as you had mentioned, I, you know, I think thoughtfully about opportunities like Toastmasters and I, I kind of seize the day. And I, I think oftentimes if I were to reflect back on how did I grow into a leadership role, um, many times it was because I was putting my hat in the ring, raising my hand, um, and yeah. looking and asking for more and continuing to develop myself so that I was felt ready, um, for what I was going to tackle in that, that new role. I, I think back, um, a few episodes here on Coach to Scale, and we had a guest, Brian Caulfield, who is a, a chief operating officer at a company called TeamSnap. And I, I still remember his line about this topic. He said, if, uh, if you're not going to invest in yourself, why the hell should I invest in you? <laughs> so um, you wouldn't say it that way, maybe, but I think it's it's important to invest in yourself. And, and I hope people listening uh, see that because especially as the environment gets more challenging, what is going to differentiate you from other folks other than just your performance? Right. Right. Um, all right. So, um, you're at school status, uh, you're senior VP of sales, if I have that right. And you're fairly new there. Um, what couple things, what does school status do? And what, brought you there? What attracted you there? Yeah. And I might answer that in the, in the flip side of it. So, um, what, what attracted me, one of the big things that attracted me to school status is, is exactly what you asked first, which is what do they do? And so school status is a, is a mission driven organization that has, um, data driven solutions that empower, students in um, K through 12 to thrive and be successful. And there's kind of three buckets of solutions. So we, we have a solution that focuses on attendance. And so we can't help you to be successful student if, we, if you're not at school. And so we have a solution that helps districts to drive through positive enforcement, students coming to the building. 
Um, the next, what is the phrase? 80, 80% of success is showing just up. Showing or up. Yeah. Just show, show the hell up. Yeah. No. And we, we take for granted, at least I take for granted that students show up. I mean, I had to, my mother, literally, I, was, I had a single mother. She went to work before I went to school. And so she would call the school literally every day to make sure that I was there. <laughs> Like for K through eight, which is great. So, so you sh you showed up, and and I think to the point of calling the school. The next solution that we have is about um, communications and making sure that those in the building, the teachers, the administrators, can easily connect with the families. Um, we know that it's not just about what's happening in the building. That connecting with families to ensure your success. And kind of the last bucket of solutions we have is around teachers and teacher effectiveness and, and coaching kind of to the theme of our conversation here today. And so we've got the students to the building, we're connected, we're communicating with the families, and we need to make sure we're supporting them, the educators that are responsible for the, the teaching and learning that's happening inside the classroom. So um, I joined because I when I learned more about the solution set at school status, I was energized. We can we have a really valuable solution and a set of solutions that can drive yeah. impact. Um, the second, and I think a reason that a lot of people look at when they're interviewing is the people. Um, I really enjoyed um, my the people that I met in my interview process. They seemed like smart people that were having fun. Uh, getting after the goals that they'd set for themselves with this mission-driven set of solutions. Um, and that is 100% uh, proved to be true now Now six months in at the organization. And I think the last thing that I would mention and why why join school status is they were very intentional in, in my interview process around looking for a leader that could create a coaching culture inside of their sales organization. And that was exciting for me. Um, <laughs> So, so they, they specifically called that out and you talked about the importance of being intentional. They were intentional about, they said we want to build a coaching culture, which is that, that did I hear that right? You're a hundred percent correct. And it was really um, unique in the different companies that I was meeting with that, that they, not that maybe other organizations didn't also want to have a, a coaching culture inside of their sales department, but they were very, again, we'll say it again, intentional about what they were looking for and why they thought that that was, uh, could be impactful to the organization. So. so so, in your mind, did they go through that like first step in the, in the building a culture, which is let's take a snapshot of where we are today. We're doing a lot of things well, but maybe where there's some opportunities for improvement. Did, did you feel an organization had that level of self-awareness where it was embarking on building that and that's kind of where they were? That Yes, I would say so. And, and School Status is a company that in transparency has grown through acquisition. And so we have um, six different sales organizations that came together to be one sales organization. And so that's a lot of different cultures. That's a, a, a yeah. lot of um, different expectations. And so... Uh, I think they were also looking for someone who could come in and um, bring everybody together into a culture that was energizing and promoting the right types of things of, of develop, continuing to develop this set of individuals on the team. Well, a lot of, a lot of people are in this business because they want to, they want to make an impact. They want to help others. And the, 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 description you gave of what school status does certainly I think leaves a lot of people with the impression that it's helping it's having an impact uh, question are you hiring 
Thanks for asking. We are hiring. So we have openings um, for individual contributors in our sales organization. And we also have um, a director role open for a frontline manager uh, in our sales team amongst a, a myriad of other openings across other departments. But I'll put my plug in for the, the sales organization growth. All right. And we'll get to how people can contact you and find out more in a minute. Um, we've been talking about coaching uh, a lot over the past you know, 30 minutes or so. Um, I ask everybody this at the end, Sarah, uh, tell us about a time when you were the recipient of what you would consider excellent coaching that was impactful. Um, I love that question. And I had a lot of great coaching, as I had mentioned, coming up in the, the Oracle organization and many folks that that um, have contributed to my continued ability to be successful and grow professionally. But thinking about sales coaching in particular, I think about um, the, the sales leader in my last organization at Parchment when I first joined, a man um, by the name of Len Napolitano. It's such great energy. What's, I'm sorry, what's, what's his, his name? His name is I figured, yeah. uh, what, Len Napolitano. What, Len Napolitano. Yeah. Okay. Hey, when you say something good about someone, I want to yeah. make sure everyone hears their name. We don't get a lot of, you know, a lot of things said positively about us in this business when it happens. Let's uh, let's uh, shout it out. Yeah. Len Napolitano. Len Napolitano. Right. What about he Len? created an amazing culture in the, the parchment um, organization, a great coaching culture. And he was a, a servant leader who led from the field. And I think back to my days as an individual contributor, Len and I had the opportunity to, um, work together to open the higher education market in Australia and New Zealand. We took a trip um, to Australia together, and that trip really embodies um, his coaching style. And it, again, kind of to what I had mentioned before, we spent a lot of time preparing. So when we were traveling in Australia, we were gonna be attending a conference. We were gonna be visiting one-on-one -on -one with prospects at their universities. And um, we spent a, a many, many hours preparing for how we were going to show up and um, how we were going to conduct each one of those meetings. So what was going to be, how are we going to show up to the conference? And, and then for each individual prospect meeting, um, doing the research and the preparation to make sure that that we could run an effective meeting. So what did we understand about the pain points given the discovery call we'd had? And then given that, how can we most effectively use the time we were with them? So we did a ton of preparation, but what I love the most is when we were on the road together, after every event, after every meeting, we would have the same debrief around what went well, what didn't go well, and, and how can we improve for next time? And it was consistent. I knew the minute that we got in the car after the meeting that that was going to be the first three questions that we were going to talk through. And so, did you did you have that debrief meeting? You said it was very consistent. So even if the meeting was great, did you do that? We did. That's awesome. Yeah. Usually, if somebody does the debrief, it's always when you know it's the meeting sucked, right? And it's like, oh man, how do we improve on that? But that consistency is really when it's all the time, even when the meeting went great. That's awesome. I'm sorry, continue. No, and I would say that, it, so it was it was that coaching that happened and then the the accountability that we had to, to improving for that next meeting. So if we missed the mark on um, getting a firm next step, you know, let's role play how we're gonna make sure that we do that for the next meeting. 
And that was the type of not only reflection, but then coaching. And again, a little bit of preparation before we got into that next call so we could work on the thing that that we didn't quite hit the mark on. And I would say the last thing about that trip that holds true, and I think this is about the culture that you create. I have wonderful memories, not only of the sales calls we went on and the sales conference that we were at, but I also really remember having a ton of fun at the rugby game that we went to. And it wasn't just about um, uh, maximizing the prospect meetings and the events we were at. It was also about immersing ourselves into the culture and trying new foods and sharing meals and, and learning about uh, local traditions that made it a really um, fun trip and made me really proud to be a part of that team and that culture. Yeah, that's really cool. And um, you, sound, you, you brought up rugby, and I don't expect you to be an expert on rugby. You said you went to Australia and New Zealand. Did you see the All Blacks play by any oh, chance? I, yeah. you're, you're much more dialed in on rugby, Matt, than I am. I, and Len would probably be disappointed. I don't remember the teams that we saw play. It's all right. It was, um, I've never seen anything like it. it the, st- the size of the stadium and just the the energy of the crowd and the the pace of play and and Len does play rugby and so he's quite knowledgeable about the sport so that's also fun when you're when you're not to sit with someone who is so yeah yeah that's a, well th- there's a there's a book that a lot of people that do what we do like it's called legacy and it's a it's a story about the New Zealand rugby team called the All Blacks and they're one of the most successful successful sports teams in history and the, the colorful history of the whole 9 yards but you talk about great coaching and leadership and leading from the front. One of the chapters I remember from that book, it was called uh, Sweep the Shed. And the shed in in that part of the world is is uh, synonymous with a locker room. And what this the person who wrote the book talked about is that he was the coach. And at the end of the game and the practice, he would always be the one that swept the locker room clean before they left. And he was trying to lead by example, like, you know, like he and the team, like make sure we sweep up and clean up after ourselves, especially if it's in a visiting locker room, we're going to leave this place better than we found it. And that was the part of their culture, which uh, you, you made me think about. Well, you've so, added a new book to um, my list. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, no, cool book. We'll put it in the show notes too. Legacy. It's great. Great book. Uh, at least I thought so. Um, all right. Um, Sarah, there's, there's a lot of people out there that are trying their best. It's not an easy environment. A lot of leaders that receive that battlefield promotion, they might have been great salespeople. And it's like, hey, congratulations, now you're a manager. Any advice for, for those folks out there? You know, I think the best advice that I would have is um, lean into your network and if you of, of other folks that are out there, um, maybe a little bit more experienced than you, or maybe also a first time manager. And if you don't have a network, you know, reach out to me, I'll connect you with folks in my network. It, it really can be impactful to just hear how others are tackling the day-to-day challenges um, and have folks that you can lean on when you uncover something new or when you're trying to tackle something new within your organization. So there's lots of books out there. There's lots of blogs. There's lots of content, but um, there's nothing better than than having a peer-to-peer conversation to get a, a good perspective from someone else in the field. 
your network is your net worth, uh, is, has been said. Um, wow, Sarah, learned uh, a ton today. Really enjoyed the conversation. You know, learned about soccer and the importance of culture, being kind and generous. And Sarah, you were certainly kind and generous in investing your time uh, with, uh, with me today. And, you know, the impact of coaching, right? Len, the debrief meeting, being consistent, like a ton, ton of great stuff. Um, we're going to leave it right there. Uh, but before we do that, Sarah, how, how can people get in touch with you? Hey, if, I want, if I wanted to work at school status, if I wanted to learn more about how you uh, can help uh, m- you know, my, my, my school you know, as a parent or whatever, how do we get in touch with you? You can find me on LinkedIn or you can reach out to my email. It's just sarah.kiley at schoolstatus.com. K-I-L-E-Y, That's right. right. And... S-A-R-A-H. All right, Sarah.Kiley at schoolstatus.com. All right, Sarah, really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Thanks so much. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. And thanks to all of you out there for listening. If you learned something today, if you laughed, uh, if if you like the show, um, tell others about it, share the link with others. If you have suggestions on people that had an impact on you from a coaching perspective that you would like to hear on uh, the show, send their recommendation over to us. Um, Again, Sarah, thank you. It's been my pleasure to host this conversation on behalf of Coach to Scale. And until next time, coach them if you want to keep them. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Coach to Scale, How Modern Leaders Build Coaching Cultures. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at coachem.io. That's C-O-A-C-H-E-M dot I-O. And follow us on Twitter at Coachem Now. See you all next week. Thanks for joining. And remember, coach them if you want to keep them. <laughs>